Wednesday and with Shetland fiddler Jenna Reed. Jenna plays solo with Blazing Fiddles and Rant and she has the most beautiful fiddle tone as well as technique. Now before I ask Jenna a few questions for the podcast, if you'd like to support this podcast, you could do that by visiting my Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Simon Tubier, and it all helps to let me make my various vlogs and podcasts. Thanks Jenna, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. No problem. Congratulations on the new album, Working Hands. Thank you. So the Working Hands is a, it's a departure for you in many ways. Yeah, I think it is. I think um, I didn't want to make an album that was similar to the ones I'd made before. Not that I don't didn't enjoy those processes in the past or, or the material, but it was more a personal choice to try something different and to get out of my comfort zone, which I, I kind of really remember you talking about that as a thing for musicians and for, you know, trying to develop yourself, you know, sitting in the same place and kind of making the same decisions creatively and whatnot. It's great, but I just wanted to get, do something that would be difficult. So it's an album with you and a string quintet, Mr McFall's Chamber? Uh, yeah, quartet, yeah. So Mr McFall's Chamber, they play and my husband Ian plays and a good friend of ours, Stuart Semple, who's another drummer, plays and obviously Harris Playfair on piano. Uh, so it's kind of going back to my roots in a sense because Harris and I went and did, I wrote all the music and then him and I went to the studio and recorded it all on piano and fiddle, um, which was more of a headspace decision. I wanted to make sure I had that done and dusted. I was pretty pregnant at the time. So I just thought, right, I can do this in stages. Harris and I will go, we'll spend a couple of days at Castle uh, and that's that dealt with. And it was a really lovely process, just the two of us, it was, um, it was July, it was beautiful sunny days, it was like, so quiet, so, there's no stress, no busyness, just the two of us sitting playing music and going, oh, we'll do that again, okay, let's do that again. And it felt really slow paced, in a sense, which I, I guess a lot of the music is, is as well, so maybe it influenced the way that we were in those recording days. And so I, I took that away and then sat for however many weeks writing all the string parts to go under it. So Harris was a huge part of what I came up with, um, as I wanted him to be. And I mean, there was no way I was going to write him piano scores. I mean, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> so I just said, right, come in, let's do this first and then I'll write some strings, which I'd never done before formally, you know, You've written fiddle parts for donkeys and whatnot, but this was the part that was going to be new to me, writing for instruments I don't play and putting it on paper and that's it. You have to write it down, decide what fits, what suits, what the voicings that are going to sound good and make, you know, finalise all those decisions and get it into Sibelius and get it all over to these guys. and and be confident about that <laughs> and and because they're, they're as part I mean they're all amazing and wonderful people and really kind but they're also world-class and I didn't want to come up with something that was rubbish so that was on, on my mind and then got the strings recorded and then wanted to listen to that and find where I wanted 
some percussion and drums to go on after that. So did you use your original fiddle and piano tracks as well? Yeah. You didn't re-record? No, no. didn't re-record anything. Um, by the time McFalls came into the studio, Olivia, my daughter, was born. So we recorded in the July with Harris. She was born in early October. My mum was down and Ian and I, I had, I did a doodle poll with McFalls, which was hilarious. And I got, I think there was eight hours out of about four months <laughs> of diary. So I had about, I had like two evenings at Castle. So mum stayed here with Olivia and Ian and I just toodled off for two evenings at Castle. And I sat in a bit of a stupor and just listened to them. So I real I knew that, that I needed that to be non-stressy. I didn't want to be in a live room playing with them. I just wanted to have to listen to them and not be yeah. playing and listening and thinking and deciding and so it was great and Ian was with me and he's brilliant at those things and solid and uh, it was and Stuart was there, so it was really chilled. They're in the live room, play, play, play. And we came back the next night and did some more, and that was it. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So that was it, yeah. And then you've actually just been out on tour with it. Well, yeah. So it must have been then a new experience. I know, it was really strange. So Donald Shaw was so kind and gave us a slot at Celtic Connections. We launched it, so that was super. So we did that in January. And then I thought, oh, it's really strange. That's, is that the first and the last time we'll do this? And I thought, mm, okay, maybe there's a way that we can do a couple of gigs. And Craig Course helps me with my concerts, which I haven't done solo concerts for four years. So I was nervous about it. Um, you know, you play in bands and it's so comfy, isn't it? Everybody's there, it's like a big hug. <laughs> There's nothing that can go wrong, generally. So I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I need to think how, how and when. You know, my kids, I've got to consider them. They come first and everything. So I thought, right, I'll just choose... Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that'll be fine, I'll do that. So Craig helped me fix that up. Uh, he's like, where do you want to go? I said, well, no further north than Perth. I, I need to be able to get home. You know, <laughs> it sounds quite diva-ish, but I just thought it doesn't matter what it is, but I just need to be able to get home and I need to be able to see the kids right and then I'll just nip out of an evening and come back. So we did Edinburgh, Perth and Stirling. And then I, we flew down to London at three in the afternoon and flew back at eight in the morning and did the King's Place, which was lovely. Uh, which I was nervous about too. I've never done a solo concert in London and it was Shetlanders and Scottish folk came out the woodwork and family and McFalls have loads of connections down there. And so it was really lovely. Uh, and yeah, that was us. So going back to the beginning. I know. You're from Shetland? Yeah. Was there music in the family? My mum plays piano really well. She sang in a choir as a schoolgirl. Um, she can play a couple of tunes on the fiddle. She can play a few chords on the guitar. Is your mum from Shetland? No, she's not. She's from Ayrshire. My father was born in Ayrshire. His mother was from Edinburgh. And my, his father was from Thurso. So how did they end up there? Well, my grandfather was a bank manager. So my dad went to Shetland when he was eight and had all his school years in Shetland and they lived in the bank house in Bank Lane in Lerwick and they're really in the lanes that come off Commercial Street they lived up the lanes and 
so and so they had all dad had a little school years there and left when he was 16 moved to Cambridge and got a job <laughs> in Tesco's and then he worked his way up was Tesco manager and then moved back to Shetland with mum and had us there my brother was born in uh, Greenock and then they moved to Shetland and had us and mum was just bowled over by the music that was up there so she just wanted us to have a go and and there you find out that fiddle lessons are free in all the schools and all brass instruments, woodwind, piano, on it goes. And so who gave you your first fiddle lesson? Tom Anderson, yeah. So it was kind of near the end of his life actually. I That was sort of late 80s, 89, 90. And he passed away in 91. So um, first lessons were in Islesborough Community Centre on a Saturday morning. Um, and then Willie Hunter started teaching in Corf Primary. He would come out to Corf Primary on a Wednesday. And I would also go to him on a Tuesday night privately to his house in Lerwick um, with my brother as well. And so, yeah, it was just sort of all, all go. We were all having lessons. And what was the first tune that you learned? <gasps> well, it was probably something out of Hammy doing the fiddle. But I, w I had started playing the piano before the fiddle. So I had had sort of learnt to read music before, so we went through Hammy doing the fiddle. But I can really vividly remember getting Spooskeri, which is obviously so common now. But I, I just loved it. I came home and I played it and played it and played it and played it. It was the rhythm in the first part, day did it, the syncopation. So you know that. Uh, everybody's ears now it sounds not to use the term ordinary but yeah you've heard it a thousand times but as a nine-year-old I was like what is this <laughs> and I just loved it and played it and played it and played it and then I learned loads of traditional tunes like that going to the Shetland Fiddler Society on a Wednesday night and then my lessons with Willie Hunter were, were much more sort of learning tunes like Scott Skinner tunes and See that's interesting because as I was driving down here I was thinking right so Jenna she's a Willie Hunter I know. player but then and I was going to say so what would be the difference between Willie Hunter and Tom yeah. Anderson teaching yeah. yeah Um, but I suppose you probably never had that much time with Tom Anderson not really not enough to not enough to feel like he was my teacher yeah I, and I don't that in a not in a disrespectful way at all because I I first started with him and it's a, that's a huge thing mm -hmm. but um, so when did you feel you first when, when you actually caught the bug oh man um, there was something about the presence of Willie Hunter as a person that was made you stop and made it really infectious he was always dressed in a suit and tie um and I, to hear him play was just made you stop. You know, I, even as a young child, it was like, whoa, you know. It, and he would, he would play, he would open this um, Fiddle Music of Scotland or the James Scott Skinner book 
try try this and he would vamp at the piano pretty good so we would try a bit together on two fiddles and then he'd put his fiddle down and go and sit at his you'd electric piano in his in his in his house and you'd just be staring at the dots <laughs> come on don't stop keep playing keep playing because you, it was just so much fun to sit and have a tune with him even when he wasn't playing the fiddle yeah i i, I desperately not wanting to miss him single note of music in order to keep keep it going and keep this <laughs> tunes going because it was just so much fun um, and I couldn't mum would come and collect me and sometimes he would he would say oh I do this last will go sooth and I I used to think what? really? down south? like I, the, that concept of playing outside of Shetland or being able to or having the ability to or I found it I'd never forgotten that, and not not in a big-headed sense, but just it was such an encouragement. That was what it was. Mm-hmm. It was a huge encouragement, and I couldn't believe someone like him thought, "Oh gosh, maybe, maybe I could do that too." And because he was out playing with the Culliver Band, he'd play with Violet, and you'd you'd hear him play at the Box and Fiddle Club, or he just he just had such a so much charisma. What was what was his background? Well, he was. I think he was largely taught by his. Well, he was taught a bit by his father, Willie Hunter Senior, who was a, a blacksmith, and he played the fiddle really well. And he had when you see photos of him, he just looked beautiful the way he stood and played. And it's the same as as his son. They both held their fiddle up beautifully, and you know. But he also had lessons from a guy called Geoffrey de Mercado, who was an Italian violinist who was in Shetland for a time. And then also uh, Gideon Stove, who was a violinist who played, he was leader of the Lyric Orchestra for a long while and they did like Gilbert and Sullivan and all these sorts of things. Uh, But he also wrote brilliant, really trad sounding tunes. You know, like Willie B. West, The Loch, like... uh, You know, really driving reels, but but then really kind of like like quite northeast sounding. So he had the two things going on of like the technique stuff and tunes that are way up the neck of the fiddle, uh, and also this he could he could write things that sounded like they were hundreds of years old and really driving. Um, Is this Willie Hunter or Gideon Stove? Gideon Stove, yeah, he wrote that real Willie Bewas the Loch. Did he write that march? Mm hmm. Could play a bit more of that? It's a brilliant The Geyser's March, yeah. And it's when you, when you get, that's what I love to listen to, when Willie Hunter played that and Violet Tullock is on the piano, it's the, it's the, the downbeat, the really strong lift that they get into it. And I think it's like waiting and not pushing on the, the tempo, getting that, uh, you know, those, and it's quite Scot, Scottish dance bandy 
but I, I just love it. Well, I mean, it's actually quite interesting because it's quite on the one and yeah, three, isn't I it? I love it. Actually, I just... Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because as a youngster, or, and I guess most youngsters are the same, you just want to play everything as fast as you possibly can. And it's like, years later, realising, oh, it, it's... It's possibly less effective to do that. <laughs> and that's in the nice terms. Yeah. You know, I and it's, it's actually just, more difficult as well. Well, yeah, that's it. So it's just kind of going back and and thinking about where. Well, realizing on listening to to what he does, what I one of the things that I like about it, one of the many things is is that control, and um, and that's how where the lift comes in with things not speeding on, which, um, and I love to play fast things because it's just fun. That's the only way, it's, it, it's, it's the only thing about it. Yeah. It's, it's great fun and there's no, you know, complicated or highfalutin reason other than that. It's just good fun. <laughs> and when you have someone like Harris Playfair at the throttle, it's like, oh, right, okay, ready, steady, go. And it lasts about 30 seconds and it's, it's just brilliant fun. And so, did Willie teach your sister Bethany? No, he didn't. Uh, Beth was taught by um, mostly Eunice Henderson. She's a fantastic fiddle player. She does millions of teaching and she's wonderful and she's a lovely piano player. So Beth used to get lessons with Eunice and latterly up like through upper school Margaret Robertson it is kind of incredible how many teachers there are at home mm -hmm. um, and it, I kind of I, I guess you grow up taking that for granted and thinking that it's the same all over and of course there's Gemma as well because uh, the three of you got together to yeah, that's form a right. Filska Fils yeah, Fils Fil Filska when you were quite young I know that was like well as soon as we started playing just used to come to our house after school. Our house is right below the school uh, in the village. I mean, it's a really small... I wouldn't even call it a village. There's no shop or nothing like that. Um, yeah, and we used to... Mum played the piano and she would find all the tunes for us to play. Do you know, um, like, a long the... time ago, uh, you must be very young, maybe 93, yeah. possibly, I released an album called Waltzes for Playboys. I love that album. And I got a, an email or something from your mum Looking right? for the music for one of the tunes. <laughs> we used to listen to that, Simon. Yeah. Till it was worn out. Oh, that's funny, yeah. We, like, Tremendous well, Fergus. Like, yeah, I think that's what she was looking for. It's just brilliant. Thanks. I love it. I yeah. really love it. Mum got it and she bought it and we played it until it was worn out. And then I remember, I, I loved... Um, do da do da diddly da dee do dee Oh, yeah, so yeah. We... I recorded that. I ju it's just fantastic. I really love that tune. So the three of you, the, you, you got together. Yeah. <clears throat> was Andrew Tullock in the band at that point? No, he wasn't. No, no. He was, um, he recorded our second album. Um, and that's how, and he played guitar on it. And mum was sort of starting to want to just let us kind of press on and take a back seat. But she, like, all these tunes that I know that are pipe tunes, like the Jigislers, the Curlew, the Seagull, Mum taught me those tunes. I didn't learn those in fiddle lessons. She found them all and taught us them. And, you know... Which is it's amazing yeah. to have such a, 
oh, an influence and well, a, a yeah. caring parent who I, wants you to... Yeah, yeah, I know, it was... So, because I sort of... Pipe tunes aren't really... I didn't really learn those in fiddle lessons at all. Um, and, like, when you talk about sort of session tunes that are pipe tunes, it was, it's my mum that taught me all those. I didn't learn them any other way, you know. <laughs> I wasn't really listening to that that those sorts of tunes much. Although I loved listening to things like the Black Rose Cayley band. So I would have heard things that mm -hmm. I liked, but I wouldn't have known what they were. Yeah. So, But yeah, those were the early days of Philskit. Because I also remember you in the Radio 2 yeah. Young Folk Awards. Yeah, that's right. That was 98 or 99. Yeah, I remember one of the things I remember about that event uh, was uh, going down and, and actually loving it. And it was a real influence. Yeah. That actual event for us starting the Radio Scotland Young Traditional Musician Award. Is that right? Yes, I liked how, how all the young people were there. Yeah, no. And while it was a competition, they didn't give the results no. after the event. So everyone was just went away and had a party and had a laugh and didn't have to worry about it. That's right. It was brilliant fun. It was lovely. And unbeknownst to me, that's the first time I would have met Anna Massey because she was in the final with us too. That's right. And we might have said hello. I don't know. We were probably all too nervous. And Femi Gow was there that year too. Right. So it was lovely actually. There was quite a few of us that were kind of from Scotland. Was well, Shona Mooney not at that as well? I think she was. Shona Mooney's band. Um, I remember her being there. My memory starts to fail a bit. Yeah, her and uh, Shona Mooney and Lilius. That's right. They were there. Yeah. With a Us three? bass player. Us three. Us three. <laughs> they were great. I Big know. tall boy with blonde hair. Yeah. Who played the bass. I mean, these events must be good because it actually showed you a world outside. I know. I think it definitely makes you go, all right, if there's loads of other people doing the same thing um, somewhere else in a different way. And I mean, it's true. When I entered the Radio 2... Young you won that. Award, yeah. By the first year in nineteen eighty eight, I went the first. It was the very first one, and then and I'd just basically been playing at accordion clubs all my life. I'd played the pipe band with the Boys Brigade, yeah. but then actually just going and actually playing solo, and I suddenly walked into this room full of young musicians, the same as yeah. me. And it was amazing. Yeah, that's cool. And actually, everyone being really nice to each other. I know. I know. It's just. And then I remembered that group called The Young Tradition that you were in, called yes. the Shetland Folk Festival. With Katrina and Luke, McDonald, Luke Daniels. I, I was blown away by that. I can remember being in the, the, the Bodham Hall in Dunrossness. I don't know what age I was. 14 maybe? And I was just like, that is cool. Right. That's what I want to do that. It's so cool. Yeah. So what point... So, so you're playing so... You went to the the RSEMD, yeah. what's that stand for again? Royal Scottish <laughs> Academy of Music and Drama. Yeah. Which is obviously the predecessor of the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland. That's right. But were you in the first intake? No, I wasn't. I was in the fourth. The fourth, right. Uh, or no, the third year, actually. Third year. Third so that year. would have been... It was, that was 1998. 98. Oh. Yeah, 98. Um, um, was that a big decision? To leave Shetland to go to there. Yeah, yeah. I was excited about it. And then as it got closer, less and less convinced about, oh no, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and then I <clears throat> spent the most of my first year nearly quitting and going, nah, 
I'm going home. Sorry, folks. <laughs> and I had the most wonderful piano teacher who was the head of music, actually, Walter Blair. What a gentleman. And I used to go to his massive office with this huge grand piano in it for my piano lessons. And it was actually classical pieces I did with him. And I, one, one day I just, I just got upset. I just said, I, I, I can't, I need to go home. I can't stay. And he was so kind and he said, right, okay, that's no problem. Stop the lesson just there. Just go down to the library and just try and have a wee think about why you might stay and why you might go. And then I thought, okay, right, I'll go and do that. So I did that. And then I thought, no, 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 I, I, okay, no, maybe I should stay, actually. <laughs> and, and my mum was, poor my mum and dad, I used to pump pound coins into phone boxes and whine on the phone <laughs> and say, I can't stay here, I've got to come home. And then one day they just said, okay, fair enough, just come up the road again. And it was like a light bulb. I suddenly thought, well, what will I do? Well, no, right, okay, I'm, I'm just going to finish this course. I've done a whole first year, I'll do two more. And then as it was, we were offered an honours year, so I did that too. And now I'm still down here. <laughs> but you made some good friends. Yeah. And uh, formed your... Yeah. First band? Yeah. Well, second band. Well, yeah, it felt like the Dochus. They were all in third year mostly. Uh, a couple of the girls were at Strathclyde. And we had a complete ball. It was amazing. And did loads of touring and loads of gigs. And who was in that band again? When I joined, it was Kathleen Boyle, Ailey McLeod, Julie Fowlis. Martin O'Neill joined a little bit later. Uh, so it was the five girls, Caroline Mackay. Uh, we did an album and we did another album which Martin played on. So we just got him to join. Sort of um, made him join. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we just had a ball, an absolute ball. We were, it was like that window of us all being sort of the same age, doing the same thing in life. And it was just brilliant. I mean, it's actually, it was quite a far ahead band you know we talk about um <clears throat> all women yeah. bands yeah. uh now but actually there was wasn't many there was a, there's obviously you had the poozies would have been around then yeah. sprangine all before that yeah. and a few things but actually not really not loads no not loads no. so yeah that was what would that have been well they were already going they were already playing gigs i joined in 2001 um and we were, we were, as it was, we were just getting ready to record the first album. So we did that up at Watercolour, and then we did our second album at Castle Sound. And we, and we started a third and never finished it, but we just... But the main memory of that band is just touring, and doing really fun tours. And... Yeah, just... Yeah, it was good. And I suppose, yeah. I mean, that man really was the birth of Julie Fowlis. Totally. Yeah, amazing. I remember Julie doing her first album at the, when the band was still on the go and she was starting to record it and amazing times. Yeah, mm -hmm. really, really brilliant. And I did things that was out of my comfort zone, like playing a bit of piano or singing a bit in Gaelic or you know, just black and back in vocals. But just... And you kind of took off from there, right? You made three solo albums? Yeah. Well, you phoned me and you were like, come on and make us... And I, I couldn't believe that either. I was like, gee whiz! Wow. Okay, right, okay, I'll do What's it. What's the first one called again? With Silver and Doll. Yeah. Yeah, so we did that and um, and then I did Laughing Girl mm -hmm. and then I did Morning Moon 
then I did live in Shetland and then now working hands. That's amazing. So, and also you made the the record uh, with Beth. Yeah, we did the Shetland bus. Shetland bus. So that was that was two thousand ten. What was that about again? About this a man called Jan Balsrud, who was part of the Shetland bus. He was a part of the Norwegian resistance. So 1940, 1941, 1942, buses, they call it the Shetland bus. It was boats, unmarked fishing boats that would go back and forth between Shetland and the west coast of Norway. They had a base in Shetland where, well, weaponry would be kind of crossed back and forth across the sea. Um, secret agents, um, all sorts of things would be going on um, in an effort to assist the, the war effort um, and he was on a boat that was bombed as it was arriving into the west coast of Norway and he was the only survivor and he survived on his own with nothing the the shirt on his back in the Norwegian Arctic wastelands in the north of Norway for nearly three months and secret messages were passed between houses and he was kept alive by finding shelter in the most crazy places and and then he was taken by the laps uh, and taken to safety. And he lived until 1998. Um, you got to meet him, did you not? And we met his, his nephew. His nephew. Um, Niels Ola Balsrud. Uh, and there's something called the Balsrud Walk, the Balsrud March, and you can do this full trek through Norway and Sweden, and it follows his escape route. Um, but he was just an incredible man and uh, he, just what he went through had to, with a blunt penknife cut off his own toes and to save being killed from frostbite and just kept going and kept going and just that level of human oh it's just I, I, I don't know I don't know Amazing. how even you read the books about it so we wrote a piece of music for him and about him and then we got to we got to play it in Norway and uh, met his nephew and we actually found one of the we one of the people that hid him was a guy called Marius Grunvold and we went to his family's home up in the north of Norway in the the shed where he was hidden is still there and the Gestapo officers visited them and with torches went into the barn that he was hiding in shone torches all around it and he was hid in behind hay bales. There were meters from him, and they didn't find him. Um, so, yeah. So, so, um, when did you get the call for Blazing Fiddles? I got the call from Blazing Fiddles two days before I was about to start a PGCE in uh, secondary music teaching in two thousand and ten. Um, I I had thought right, maybe it's time for. A wee change. Uh -huh. um, Dockers were starting to do less, and I thought, right, okay, maybe this would be good to do. I'd thought about it a few years before and hadn't done it, and um, been accepted onto the course. And then Ian McFarlane phoned me up, and it was it was a, a, a quite an incredible phone call to get. I'd been obviously aware of Blazing Fiddles for Donkeys, and just thought that was in a realm that was, you're not going to 
progress to that realm. You know, yeah. you know, it's it's in a, on a level that's amazing, and perhaps my career just not gonna mm-hmm. go in that direction. That's that's totally fine. You know, you just you just do work with what you've got at the time in your life, and you make decisions based on that. Um, and I I was like, right, okay, I, I'm about to start a postgrad on Monday. I think he phoned me on a Saturday or a Friday, and I was like. Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I'm supposed to start this course. And I, I wanted to phone mum and dad and they were in Belgium at the time on holiday. And I was like, right, how am I, I need to ring them and speak to them. Um, spoke to Ian a lot about it and he was like... And then I remember being in Edinburgh with Ian and we had a, met one of Ian's pals, a super guy who plays percussion and he said to me, gosh, that's brilliant. How long have you wanted to be a teacher? And I thought... Well, I haven't. I d- what? <laughs> Don't ask me that. <laughs> like, I love teaching. I teach fiddle. I love it. He was like, great. How long have you wanted to be a classroom teacher? And I thought, well, I, d- I haven't ever thought of it like that. Um, it's not that I don't. But then I thought, do I? And then you suddenly start asking yourself these questions. And, that, and, I, and I said, well, it was funny she'd ask me that because... This band Blazing Fiddles has asked me, and he was like, right, so what are you going to do? And I was talking to it with him and with Ian, and I didn't really ask anybody else about it. I didn't really broadcast it. And then I spoke to the people at the university, and they were amazing. Uh, And they said, go and do that. Come back anytime, we're here you should go and do that. And I was kind of leaning to that myself. I just needed someone to give me the encouragement and the confidence to say, throw caution to the wind and do it. <laughs> so that was, so that was that. So I had, that, that was nine years ago, nine and a half years ago. Um, <laughs> so that's that's amazing. Crazy. Yeah. And it's been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's been, um, Fantastic, great people in another chapter. Um, yeah, you played all over the place. Yeah, with them, and all the while, you, you know, you you have fabulous technique as a as a musician. There's not many players in your league. Ugh. Well, I don't know. Ugh. No, there's not. And all the stuff that Willie Hunter worked with you on and the beautiful technique and the range of material and your own compositions. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> you're quite an asset to a band like Blazing Fiddles as well. Well, I, I, I think, I, I mean, we just work as a, the six of us pull together and out comes the whatever... The music is and the the ideas and the I think they're a great bunch of guys. Yeah, it's really, it must be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's brilliant. I really enjoy it and it to get in time to practice nowadays. To be honest with you, is pretty much non-existent, um, and that's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, life is busy um, because you've I, got young family. Yeah, yeah, and I don't do loads of gigs. Um, I don't know what Blazers do, maybe 40 gigs a year. I We do a, two or three rant gigs a year as well, two or three weekends. Forgot to mention rant, of course. Yeah, yes. so I mean, other than that, I I don't do any lessons anymore. I don't really 
take on any touring solo. I paired everything right back and really happy with that, with those choices. Um, we should mention Rant quickly though. Is it uh, two albums, one album? Wait, we've done two albums, yeah, we've, we've, we've done two albums. And um, that's, a, that's a chamber... Yeah, I guess it's the kind of closest thing, close, it's, a, it's a good way to sort of, as a starting point of how to describe it. Um, we, we just, we get a load of tunes that we like and we sit down and, oh, you have a go at playing the tune this time. Okay, okay, well, I'll take the bass, right, well, I'll try something on the top. And we just sit and work and work and play and play and it just takes a lot of playing and playing and, oh, let's try that again. Okay, well, if you do that, I'll maybe do this and, yeah. It's another band, you, when I see you playing with them, you look like you're having a nice time. Yeah, it's great and it's just... Um, it feels that it's it's four voices, you know, and I have to work a bit harder to try and make an accompaniment work, and it it, it um, gets the grey matter working <laughs> a bit more than usual sometimes. But I it's really fun, and I get to work with with my sister because we used to play the fiddle together all the time as kids, and we've stopped doing that, so I miss that. And I wanted a way of doing that. And me and Beth were at a festival in Dunkeld playing. And Lauren was there. And Sarah Jane Summers, the original fiddler, was there. And I was like, gosh, I wonder if the girls fancy having a tune. So that's how that we just got in contact with. And the four of us met up. And it was really lovely. And um, sort of Mel and the Highland fiddle and sort of Shetland stuff together. And uh, it's, it's really fun. Yeah, that's amazing. Great. So you You've done really well. You're still mid-career. Oh, gosh. So you know, I don't you're, know. You're doing amazing. You know, well, it's, it's not easy, uh, you know, balancing, performing, young children. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Really, it's not easy, but you're definitely succeeding. Yeah. That is credit to... Uh, I can't take credit for all that whole My Ian is... We sit down together and we figure out how a year is going to be and what our family... Uh, how, how our family works into our work um, he's he, I couldn't do this job without him and that isn't a way of saying you know if someone was was going to go all feminist on that and be like oh, of course you can, you can do it and yeah I can but in any partnership it's both of our children and both of our jobs it's, you have to Work it out. Yes, well, I mean, Ian, of course, as you say, is a musician. Yeah. And for two musicians yeah. to have a life together and children, it has to be talked about yeah, as a partnership. Yeah. It, can't, it won't work other way. No, and it's not yeah. fair. I, I want him to play. He's amazing. I want him to do what he's born to do and brilliant at. And I want to be with the children loads. He wants to be with the children loads, but we want to be the four of us. And, and you need to pay bills. So it's like, well, let's figure out a way to do this. Um, so That's amazing. Yeah. As the children get older, things change as well. Opportunities come, different things go on. Yeah. I mean, it's quite exciting. If, yeah. I mean, as someone who's past your stage with young people, it's, uh, the opportunities keep coming. Yeah. You know, it's really exciting. You I know? know, it's lovely. I, I, I feel really fortunate. Um, you know, Blazing Fiddle's calendar works a year in advance all the time. So, 
I feel like that's sort of an employment, a sort of part-time employment thing. You know, it, to look of it, to look at it in a terms of being able to plan things. Mm -hmm. it, it, I, I'm not terribly. I don't work on a freelance, if you like, basis where the phone is going. Can you come do this? Yeah, tomorrow. All right, I'll come do that. Mm -hmm. I, it's not possible, and I. It doesn't. Just our lives don't work like that. Um, so we try and plan in advance. That's well, good. Well, yeah. I reckon let's finish with a tune. Oh, good. And yeah. a tune that probably connects us both. <laughs> uh, the Hurricane by James Scott Skinner. Oh, wow,